You're about to listen to episode 48 of Women Who Kill. Make sure you leave a rating and a review if you love it. If you hate it, fine. Leave a review if you hate it too. But leave a rating, leave a review. It helps new people find the show. The more people find it, the longer I can keep doing this. Our guest today, very funny comedian, not a rapper, Dahlia Malik. Thanks for finally admitting that I'm not a rapper. I mean, I don't know if I really believe it, but you know. It's never happened. Gotta put it out there. Today, we're going to be talking about a couple ladies who are, I would say, kind of close to you. <laughs> yeah. Close um, to your heart. They're actually close, close to, to home. my stomach. They're on my t-shirt that I'm wearing. This is a podcast, but imagine it. This shirt is in very bad shape. Is that, is that in a... This is Arabic. The first two women to be executed by the Egyptian state. Sister serial killers, Raya and Skina. Now they're they're like they were prolific. So it's it's funny that a, a dating service was named. What was the what's the the dating service for rich people named oh. Raya? What is that? Wh- who do they name that after? I don't know, but I do like that you think I would know. Um, presumably because I'm extremely famous. Um, <laughs> no, I have heard of this. I'm not sure how you spell it though. Oh, it's spelled exactly the same way. Yeah. So this occurred in the early 20th century, the early 1900s. I'm just going to keep calling it the 1900s. So this took place during British colonial rule over Egypt, which started in 1882 and ended in 1952. So this whole story is kind of situated during and after World War I. Right. And what that means is uh, they were able to get away with a lot because the government was concerned with had bigger fish to fry than uh, people, women disappearing. Yeah, it was a great time to be a murderer. <laughs> Ryan Sakina grew up in, uh, what is it called? Upper Egypt is, is where, what I've read in some places. Yeah, so that's in Southern Egypt. It's called Upper Egypt because the direction of the Nile, it flows from south to north. So Lower Egypt is in the north. Okay. And Upper Egypt is in the south. So they don't use cardinal directions. That's so confusing. I know. (laughs) So they grew up uh, fairly poor. Yes. Uh, Dad left when they were really young. I couldn't find any exact dates of when they were born. Yeah, I couldn't either. And I wasn't sure if that was because they just didn't have good record keeping back then or if it was because what I was reading was poorly researched. Mm Mm-hmm. So dad took off when they were when they were pretty young and their mom raised them to be petty criminals uh, along with their brother who no one knows what happened to him. He just kind of disappears early on in the story. Yeah, I just saw that he was unable to hold down a job, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why that was. I think the father left. He abandoned the family. Right. And so the responsibility for providing for the family fell on the older brother. But I don't know if he was just a victim of the circumstances in the country or if something else happened. Right. I just saw the one sentence. He was unable to hold down a job. Um, uh, the youngest of the two sisters started to prostitute herself for food. Yeah. Sakina is the youngest. So... The, what I read was the mother was not very loving and an article said she was unable to bestow love on her children. Right. So I guess she was encouraging Ryan Skeena into a life of crime fairly early. So It's interesting that the younger sister would be the one who would be pushed into sex work. Yeah. Uh, as a, you know, I feel like if you had to choose <laughs> one of your two children, 
uh, I feel like most people would choose the older one and, and say, like, give the little one a little bit more time to, to grow up. Yeah. That is a, is a path that was not foreign to them. So once they grew up, that was what they knew. And that was how they continued to make a living was uh, through crime. Because, it was, I mean, it was uh, just after World War I had started, so everything was pretty crazy. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah. So Britain had put Egypt under martial law during World War One. They restructured the economy and there was high unemployment. There was like it caused negative consequences for Egyptian workers in general. So there was widespread unemployment and inflation. Mm-hmm. They also got married several times, which I couldn't find information about who those first few husbands were. Or even yeah. who the other kids were. All I know is that one of the sisters had a kid. And we'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> a daughter. Yes. So they end up in Alexandria. I saw that Sakina was married three times. Mm-hmm. So the husband who's relevant to the sort of murder story is the third husband. Right. Um, but she was married before because they grew up in Upper Egypt and then they moved to this delta town um with the whole family and that's where they were trying to make a better living and find work uh, it was it's hard to tell how old they were by the pictures that <laughs> yeah. are available of them because when you read documents about when you read documents where they're being described by government officials they're described as very attractive women and then oh. you look at the pictures I would say that their husbands were were prettier than they were. Oh, yeah. The husbands were objectively good-looking men, I would say. I would say so. I might have a crush on one of them. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of wonder, because I've seen other pictures of them where they look normal, so uh-huh. I wonder if they were was just... Was it bad lighting? It could have been bad Did they just use lighting. unflattering photos of them in the press to, to paint them as... Yeah, like as monsters. Right. So the two sisters and the two husbands are living together yeah so before that happened they so they left the village in upper egypt Mm -hmm. so it says that sakina was living in the delta city of tanta with her second husband ahmed ragab Mm -hmm. and they met in a hospital and the reason for that was because sakina was being detained there for venereal disease which (laughs) is something that um sex workers had to do at the time they had to go in for a weekly sort of medical checkup what a meat cute <laughs> and i guess they had found disease so she had to stay until she was released i mean i, I <laughs> guess that is the best circumstance to oh this is going to be problematic i'm gonna say if you're gonna marry a prostitute in the early 1900s the best way to do it is right out of the hospital right you at that point she has a clean bill of health <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm assuming that once they got married, she was no longer in front of the camera. She was more like behind the camera. Yeah. And then, so she and her second husband moved first before Raya. Right. So they moved to Alexandria. So they got the house, got everything set up. Yeah. That was in 1913. Okay. And then sister joins uh, a few years later. Yeah. Sister joins. Raya got married to a guy named Hasabullah, Mm -hmm. um, also in this Delta area. Um, Kafrazayat, and her husband was a hashish smuggler and a thief, so he was eventually banished from that area. So mm-hmm. they left and went to Alexandria. They joined Skina, and that was in 1916. 
And at that point, they turned the house into a house of ill repute. Yes, a den of sin. Uh, a brothel slash, uh, what do you call it? What, what do you call a, a cool place? A lounge. Yeah, where, where people hang out and smoke hashish. What do you call it? What do you call it? A hash bar? Yeah. I don't know what they called it, what they called it back then. A hash bar. A den of iniquity. <laughs> so that was where people would come to pay for sex and to do drugs and also to have affairs. Yes. Married people would uh, come, uh, I'm assuming, and rent out space by the hour. These brothels were unlicensed. Right. So prostitution was legal at this time. Well, if it was legal, why was theirs not licensed? Because it was easier to do sex work without a license. Was it expensive to get a license? It was very heavily regulated, and um, they had to do these medical checkups. Oh, right. And so um, you were able to dodge, like, taxes and just being policed in general. Okay. And the, the funny thing is, is that they they came to have several houses uh, down the line. All of their houses were surrounded by police departments, <laughs> but they never got in trouble for skirting the laws because the sisters had a were friends with all the cops. They were super friendly. So at this point, their business was doing okay. After a few years, the economy started to go to shit, so their business started to perform poorly and this is when they went back to their roots and started stealing to get by as opposed to selling drugs and sex they came up with a plan they were going to start robbing rich people who patronized their business selling the goods keeping the money apparently at the time in alexandria rich people didn't use banks people just wore all of their money as gold yeah. which a lot of people do now, too, <laughs> uh, depending on what industry you're in. Just to go back to this unlicensed venue thing, I just mm -hmm. found it. Um, so uh, unlicensed venues were popular with brothel clients because they stayed open late. So you could like avoid the military restrictions of operating hours. OK. Um, what were other brothels nine to five? What? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Under the regulation system, sex workers had to be over 18. They had to register with the state and they had to renew their license every year. So that's why it was, I guess, more desirable or easier to be an unlicensed brothel. That's so progressive because I feel like in the early 1900s here, like underage was was like 12, you know? Yeah. But there, underage was under 18. The plan was to lure wealthy women to the house, rob them, murder them dispose of bodies. And some of these wealthy women were just women who they met at the marketplace. And others were actual, were clients, rich women cheating on their husbands, friends of theirs, women who worked for them. Yeah, some of them were sex workers. Actually, I think the majority of victims were sex workers. So between 1919 and 1921, this went on for two years. Some people say upwards of 40 women but it's 100% known that at least 17 women were murdered. And let's get into how, how this happened. Six people were involved. The, the two women, 
their husbands and two men who were hired as bodyguards or bouncers who were very, very shady. Uh, because what, what they also did, uh, since the business was not licensed, they had to keep neighbors from snitching. So they employed kind of henchmen. I to, like the word henchmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to act as uh, enforcers uh, slash protectors to keep people from talking. Yeah. So one of them was actually using one of the brothels to cheat. He was having an affair with a married woman. And so uh, Raya and her husband's first apartment became a place where they could hold their trysts. Right. So basically, Raya would send her daughter, who was seven years old at the time, to this woman's house, the woman that he was cheating with. And she was like a well-known seamstress. So her her seven-year-old daughter would go to this woman's home and say, a customer wants you to work on some clothes. Huh? And then this woman would follow her home, and then she'd meet the guy. His name's Orabi. Oh, that's so messed up to get the kid involved. <laughs> she got involved in a lot. Oh, true. <laughs> He'd kind of established himself as this sort of protector but also a bit of a bully like these people were sort of they were everywhere but they kind of ran things almost like a gang or a mob or something right so it was very organized crime yeah they could go into a brothel and get whatever they want for free they could get unlicensed alcohol for free because if they don't get it for free then they'll like snitch to the police basically Mm -hmm. that's like the threat yeah So, so this guy was also involved in the murders. Right. And what they would do was they would invite people over to the house for a drink, give them drinks, give them drugs. And when they were sufficiently inebriated, one man would hold down the woman's ankles. Another man would hold around her waist. Another man, this is, this is like, so, so it's so ritualistic, completely not necessary to, to subdue an inebriated woman, uh, I'm assuming. Another man would put his hands over her mouth. Yeah, I saw d- a few different versions of this, like, division of labor. Right. But Each they, person did one very specific thing yes. that ended up with the, a woman either being smothered to death with a wet rag or having her throat cut. Yes. And the one consistent fact in everything that I read was that Sakina's husband, uh, Abdelayel, was always in charge of holding down the victim's feet. So right. I just really like the idea. Think he had that, a thing for feet. Yes. Like the fact remains throughout history that he was in charge of feet. Uh-huh. A little fetish. <laughs> now, once the, their victim was dead, they would dismember them and then uh, put them under the floorboards. Yeah, the tiles of the floor, which apparently was not very common back then. This is the first, these murders are the first instance of people finding murder victims underneath the floor of a house in Egypt. How did people normally dispose of bodies? I don't know. Maybe they probably throwing them into the river. Oh, yeah. Just dumping them on the side of the road. That's true. They're in Alexandria. Maybe burning. could have just gone to the beach and thrown them into the sea. Yeah. I always I thought that was so sloppy. Mm-hmm. They really didn't care about leaving evidence. Yeah. So what they would do is they would they would bury them under the floorboards. Apparently, they did it very neatly. Uh, they were they were arranged feet to feet. A lot of foot stuff going on here. <laughs> and the daughter happened to see all of this happen through a hole in the wall. 
if you're murdering people with your kid in the house, maybe patch up the holes in the walls first. I saw something that said that she, the daughter, um, wanted to wear the Islamic veil and took a scarf from one of the victims. Ooh. And, and they were like, yeah, fine, that's, that's yeah, okay. And, she, and her mother didn't notice. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea how true these accounts are, but I, that's a little anecdote that I came across. So they did this to at least 17 women. Again, some reports say it could be closer to 40. The police start getting reports. They start getting complaints. Because obviously, when rich people go missing, people notice. Some of the women who they murdered were were poor, were runaways and whatnot, but a lot of them were not. The common connection between all of these reports was all of these people were last seen with either Raya or Sakina or both. Yeah, and people gave their names to the police. Mm -hmm. And they, the police were like, meh. Well, the police interrogated them, but apparently they Eventually were they did. good enough liars <laughs> or they were charming or, or maybe the cops, they had the cops in their pocket. Well, for a while, the police just kind of dismissed it because they thought that women wouldn't commit crimes like that. They thought because that, there was no precedent. Yes, exactly. Like they thought women only commit crimes of passion based on emotion rather mm -hmm. than for profit. Right. And even the method, because they initially thought that the bodies had been strangled rather than suffocated. And they right. were like, that's a man's way of murdering. So the big break came when this blind man was experiencing plumbing issues. <laughs> so he decided to check on the pipes. <laughs> now, this is, this is wild. What an independent man, by the way. No vision at all. Blind in both eyes. And it's like, plumbing's got to get done somehow. I'm not going <laughs> to hire anyone to do it. So he, he removes the tiles from the floor. He starts digging and notices a, a real... Real bad smell. He's like, well, let me, let me, hmm, what's this all about? Starts poking around with his hands. Realizes he's, uh, he's, he's poking dead people. He's poking dead bodies with his bare hands. He goes to the cops. And they confirm his suspicions. Oh, yeah, but you got a lot of dead bodies under the floor here. Sakina had rented the house. Right. And how sloppy, by the way. She moved out and... Took all her things, but was like, that dead body can stay. Yeah, several. You think that they would, that the body house would be the house that they own, not the place that they're renting. It's like staying at an Airbnb and then killing someone in your Airbnb and being like, oh yeah, this will be fine. Bye. Yeah, the next renter no one's can ever deal with it. it. <laughs> They'll clean it up. <laughs> it's covered in the cleaning fees. So that was in December 1920. Mm-hmm. And also in December 1920, a police officer just randomly <laughs> discovered human remains off the side of a road near the sister's residence. Which I guess is, is the only, was the only body that they didn't dispose of well, under a house. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they just kind of tossed that one out in public. <laughs> it was completely dismembered and not even identifiable in any way. Uh, other than long, long hair, braided black hair. Oh, that's so gross. Indicating it was a woman. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So at this point, the puzzle pieces are starting to come together. One of the policemen who's investigating the case notices that 
the incense thing. Is that is that Raya? Yeah. So this was an undercover police officer. Notices that every time, every day, Raya is burning incense. Lots and lots of incense. I guess so much incense that it's considered unusual in a place where incense is a very common thing. <laughs> and he asks her about it. And she says, hey, what do you expect? I'm running a brothel here. Just going to be unlicensed, where it smells. illegal brothel. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fact that that was her excuse to him was, hey, I'm doing this illegal thing that can get kind of smelly because people are doing drugs. People are smoking cigarettes inside the house. People are fucking. Just covering got, the smell of. Got, yeah. Got to cover it up. And he thinks this is suspicious because uh, her sister has also been accused of killing a bunch of people. So. So he's like, hmm, your sister had dead bodies under the floor. Yeah. I think I'm making a connection. And then he pulls a Sherlock Holmes and starts noticing that some of the tiles on the floor are new and some of them are old. They were so sloppy. Yeah. There were reports in the newspaper about women going missing. Right. The undercover police officer took the incense story back to the senior police officer's. And then the senior police commissioner visited Sakina's home. That's when he saw the mismatched floor tiles. It was like, remove those tiles. And then a heavy stench rose from below. And they found more corpses. That's crazy. Like, they would just bury people and then be like, all right, let's move the table back. Dinner's ready. So there were two women and the remains of a third. And one of them was this missing woman who had been in the paper for Deuce. And this led the police to order searches of all the brothels. Four, four houses, right? <laughs> yes. That, so everywhere that Ryan Skeena had lived in Alexandria, and they found a total of 17 women's remains. Um, most couldn't be identified. So I think that's why people think there might have been more, because they Because probably... you're like, half of one, half of another is, yeah. are these two halves of the same person or not? Could be. Maybe. And they could have not just kept them in their home. Maybe they did just leave them by the side of the road or threw them into the sea. I mm -hmm. don't know. So after being arrested, both sisters try to throw each other under the bus. Yeah, although Skeena was pretty good for a while. She was able to dodge questioning, but Raya just kind of caved. But this was before they found the bodies was when she was, before they found the rest of the bodies was when she was refusing to admit to anything. But after everything was unearthed, Immediately, they started accusing each other of being the, the ringleader. Yeah, including Raya's daughter. She tried to put it on her aunt. She, put it, she tried to put it on Skeena and say it was her. Oh, did she? Yeah. Well, yeah, she also told the, she also told the cops that she'd seen everything through the hole in the wall. Uh, the trial took two days. Mm -hmm. And after two days, they, all four of them were found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And were sentenced to death. So it was the two sisters, the husbands, and the two, we're calling them henchmen. Right. They were also sentenced to death. And mm -hmm. then there was a gold dealer who would... The jeweler <laughs> who knew that he was getting stolen goods? Yeah, he was getting, like, dirty gold off of these victims. So he was given five years in prison. Which I would say, ah, oh, five years, that doesn't sound too bad. But I, I would assume that five years in any Egyptian prison is probably not great. It's probably not great. It's better than a death sentence, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so at the, the trial was very sensational because of the testimonies of 
the sisters. Sakina apparently was so nonchalant and chill when she told her version of the story. One thing that everyone was really fascinated by was how she would describe killing someone. She would say, and then death had passed. I saw that. Like, she described it that way every time. Right. She waited for death to pass. And maybe she was disassociating, so she didn't have to feel like she was killing someone. Yeah. I, I didn't kill them. They just died. Death happened to them. <laughs> Apparently, she didn't seem to have any emotional response to having you recount these horrific murders. If anything, she was acting kind of aggressive and denying that she had anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. Like she would interrupt people's testimonies and get into squabbles during the questioning of witnesses. Oh, really? Yeah, because she just completely denied the charges. Like when she talked about cutting someone's throat, she said, <laughs> I leaned over like I was going to whisper in her ear. And then death had passed. <laughs> like... <laughs> Bitch, you're leaving out a very important part of this story. <laughs> what happened between you leaning over and death passing? Wasn't her. So, so they were sentenced to, to hang. So they were executed about seven months after their sentencing. I always wonder what, what took so long. Maybe they wanted I can't to. imagine there was much red tape. <laughs> they could have had their sentences commuted had they been pregnant, but they weren't pregnant. They were trying to be like lenient with them because they were women, but then they wound up being sentenced as men, basically. Right. They so actually custom made, custom tailored the outfits that they were executed in because, you know, they can't just execute you in your regular clothes. You got to have prison clothes. But they didn't have execution outfits for women because it had never been done before. Yeah, they had these red garments for hanging. Just specially tailored. They were probably fitted. No pockets. <laughs> I don't know why they would tailor garments for people who were going to be killed anyway. Tradition. Like, I guess, I guess if I was being hanged, I'm guessing in public. Mm -hmm. You want to look nice. I would want to look cute, but. Uniform. Yeah. Structured. So they died and it's been the stuff of legends ever since. And Raya's daughter was placed in an orphanage. And then murdered. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. A hostel that she was in just so happened to catch on fire and she died. And there's a rumor that someone set that fire to take revenge on her mother's deed. Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. It's very sad. Because she was a kid. She clearly had nothing to do with it. It's like generational violence was passed on to her. Now, what happened to their other kids? There were other kids that they had, right? I saw that. Because they were married a bunch of times, and there's no way yeah. that they were married that many times without having other kids. I'm not sure. I don't know. I saw something really disturbing that said that this girl was Raya's, like, 10th child or something, but all the other ones had died. Okay. And they used the word abortion, but they were talking about them being... Death like, had passed. Death had passed after birth. So <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound like an abortion. <laughs> oh. Um, so I'm not sure what the facts are there, but mm -hmm. it all sounds really bad. Right. So a lot of uh, books, movies, plays have come from this. T-shirts. <laughs> yes. My T-shirt has a reference to the televised play. Have you, have you seen it? 
I don't think I can sit through it. I tried. <laughs> was it terrible or just long? I it's long and I don't have a good attention span. Okay. Um, but I'll get through it eventually. Uh-huh. Every everything that's come out about it, whether it's like a film or a play or whatever, mm-hmm. seems to be like fanfic. It's really far from from what actually happened. Kind of like a, a natural born killers. It's like because one of them is a comedy, right? Yeah, one of them is a comedy, so uh-huh. I don't know a what comedy. It, yeah, <laughs> um, which like, is like Sweeney fine. Todd kind of a Sweeney Todd meets Robin Hood. Yeah, could be. I haven't actually seen it, but I'll take it. So there was a TV show on. It was like it was a Ramadan TV show. They put they like release in Egypt. They release TV shows around Ramadan and. I think this was in 2006. I need mm-hmm. to double check, but they had to. They were trying to stick closer to the facts of what happened, but right. they couldn't talk about prostitution because it was censored. Okay, so I think they had to make up some other way. But that's like most of the story. <laughs> yeah, so it's like maybe just don't make the show. We want to. We want to put on a play version of The Little Mermaid, but we can't talk about the ocean. <laughs> so the houses. And the police station that were involved in this case are very popular tourist attractions now. Have you been? I haven't, but I want to go. Yeah, I bet they're haunted. Oh, yeah. They're hella haunted. You couldn't pay me enough to, to walk into. Really? You don't want to come houses. with me? <laughs> I don't want to. Bef- you know, that ghost will follow. Yeah. It'll follow back. It'll be like, you don't, you weren't supposed to be here. <laughs> but you know may, if they have unfinished business it's not like we did it they don't have problems with us mm. i don't know unless they can hear the podcast <laughs> I, I would say Do ghosts listen to podcasts i would say that you don't think radio waves penetrate <laughs> the ethereal realm <laughs> i guess if they're in hell they probably do <laughs> hell is listening to podcasts <laughs> for all of eternity <laughs> uh so, yeah, that is the story of Rhea and Sakina. Any final thoughts? I did like the, um, the newspaper reporting that happened after the trial ended. Uh-huh. And, like, the reaction of the people was that pandemonium broke out. People have stopped giving their, uh, their kids those names, apparently. Yeah. And um, there was a commotion. I just like the word pandemonium. Uh-huh. Pandemonium broke out. <laughs> There was a rumor. Oh, did you read the rumor that they were on display at the zoo? Who? The women? <laughs> Raya and Skina. When, when they were waiting to be executed? It was in... Wait, when did we say the trial was? No, it was before. It was in December 1920. So there was a rumor that went around that Raya and Skina were being put on display at the zoo. And I guess people believed it. <laughs> and Did they often display murderers at the zoo or... Only women, because women <laughs> were only sort of kind of considered people yeah, back I guess then. I, what's <laughs> female bloodthirsty villains who are no longer human because of their evil deeds? I'm guessing that's what caused it. But it's such a strange rumor. But uh-huh. there was a reporter who who said how many n- visitors went to the zoo that day. Right. And so I guess on an average day at the zoo, it was like 600 to 700 visitors. But after the rumor that Baya and Sakina were on display, the number of visitors on December 23rd, 1920 was 1,900. And then on December 24th, it was 2,094. So it was clickbait, 
basically. It was clickbait. And then during the first week of January, 11,310 visitors went to the zoo because of this rumor. I just find it fascinating that people didn't disprove the rumor after the first day, but I guess they didn't have internet. Right. They They did not have internet, no. They couldn't really spread the word. (laughs) But it's like, why are they increasing if people are just going to the zoo and not finding Ryan Skeena there? People don't want to believe that it's not true. They want to see for themselves. They want to see for for themselves that it's not true. I wonder what they did at the zoo after they found out that it was just a rumor. Riot? I don't know. (laughs) Take an employee (laughs) hostage. By the end, there were no employees left because every day... One of them was murdered by an angry mob. <laughs> the funniest thing I saw was a, a comment on a, a Reddit post about this where someone said, that poor blind man, it's like the worst version ever of those whole games in museums where it's like, guess what you're feeling? Oh, no. <laughs> I bet he never did any more home improvement after that day. <laughs> He was like, no, not sticking my hands anywhere I can't see. Anywhere, ever. Not using my hands again for the rest of my life. Didn't he smell it first and think maybe I shouldn't touch the thing that I'm smelling? You ever smell something real bad and you just, there's no way you think that there's the possibility that it's going to be a dead person, right? You're like, maybe it's garbage. Maybe it's. I, mean, I don't want to put my hand on garbage either. True. He has no excuse. But he's a man. <laughs> That's true. He was probably like, what's the worst that could be? Dahlia, where can people find you? What do you have coming up? I'm on the internet. I have Twitter. It's just my name, Dahlia, D-A-L-I-A. I'm on Instagram. Wait, Dahlia your Twitter Mom. is just Dahlia? It is. You were able to just get Dahlia? Kind of. I had to like coerce somebody <laughs> into giving it to me. Oh, you know someone at Twitter or, or you had to? Oh, no. I you- just found the person who owned it and was like, that's amazing. She wanted me to donate to a charity, so I did. And then I sent her my receipt, and then she gave me the handle. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Hungarian kids. Okay. Or no, shout out to Roma kids in Hungary. I think that's what I donated to. Okay. I'm very committed to the cause. I'm Dahlia Malik on Instagram. M-A-L-E-K. M-A-L-E-K. Like Rami? Yeah. Is he Egyptian? He is. Are you related? I want to say yes. But I don't think we are. <laughs> but out of the two Maliks, I'm the cute one. Um, <laughs> I okay. hope he's listening to this. And do you have anything coming up that you might want people to know about? March 18th, I have my show, Interruption Show, at Westside Comedy Theater That's at in Los 10 Angeles. p.m. It sure is. Okay, 10 p.m. I get comedians to join me on stage as co-hosts and we interrupt a showcase of comedians mid-performance that sounds so awkward it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) we ruin people's lives okay every comedian's nightmare and it's my heaven that's funny anything Um, else i run a monthly show called ground floor at eno vino wine shop and bar i've done that show it's a very fun show it is on second fridays at 9 p.m and that's in outwater and uh in la as well but dahlia thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this thanks for having me that was episode 48 of women who kill hey if you're obsessed with the show and you're wondering how you can get even more of it you should know that the most recent 10 episodes will always be available wherever podcasts are found all of the other episodes are in the archives vip archives over on patreon 
become a Women Who Kaluminati member. It's uh, it's worth it. You get free stuff, access to bonus content, and that is at patreon.com slash kaichoice, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash K-A-I-C-H-O-Y-C-E. And if you want to send me an email, you could do that at wwkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.